It's time to get in the zone. The Fantasy Football Zone. Hey guys, where else would you rather be? Get involved with the show by following us on Twitter at DraftThatGuy. Want a piece of that championship? Put it in here. This is the Fantasy Football Zone. And welcome back into the Fantasy Football Zone. Again, we're joined with Corey Smith of Rotowire. And Corey... What a week it was again. A wild week of fantasy action. Lasted with a doubleheader on Monday night, and a lot of games are probably determined because we had some big stars on that uh, doubleheader of the Monday Nighters. But that last game of the Monday Nighter was quite the dud. Yeah, it was ugly, and it felt like it was over pretty shortly after kickoff. Uh, turns out it's not uh, 2015 anymore for Andy <laughs> Dalton. I mean, this is a guy who used to be a Pro Bowl caliber player or borderline Pro Bowler, as we know, but it seems like time after time this carries over from Cincinnati. He's just not good in prime time, Paul. He put up good fantasy number, well, for his skill players at least, still threw 266 passing yards and a touchdown, but a lot of that in junk time, of course. And uh, Zeke Elliott, two fumbles in the game, lost for the first time in his NFL career, so... This was really discouraging, Paul, and now we're starting to hear grumblings that Cowboys players are saying yep. they don't know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. So it's starting to get ugly, even though they're still technically in first place. It sounds a little familiar from what I heard here a couple years ago in uh, Green Bay, some of the things that are starting to be mumbled in that Cowboys locker room right now. Yeah, I mean, you definitely question some of the hires uh, on the staff. And I'm, reality is they're 2-4. and four. Their defense just looks terrible, Paul. I mean, it's yes. just... Close to historic number mm-hmm. so far. And we Could thought he be a one and done, McCarthy. Could this be a surprising <sighs> one and done? I think Jerry's a very loyal guy, and that is yeah. a little bit of a stretch, but it's getting pretty ugly pretty quick. Yeah, I, I don't think it's going to be one and done, and I think they'll turn some things around and they'll start winning some games here. But And I think they'll still probably win the division. I mean, how terrible it is. So I don't think it'll be one and done, but right now it's it's pretty bad. But you raised the concerns about this defense early on. Yeah, it was great they got C.D. Lamb in the first round, but that defense really needed help, and they did not get any. And I know the guys that they signed, like Alden Smith and Everson Griffin, hey, they were great players five years ago ago it's not five years before just like you said with a Dalton point exactly the Greg Hardy I mean they are pretty old on defense and pretty thin uh they've had some injuries in the secondary of course but Kyler Murray I mean he only had nine completions in this game coming back home he won three state titles for Allen High School right by Dallas uh never lost a game in his high school career comes back he, he wrecked the Cowboys. I mean, nine completions, you're not – if you look at the stat sheet, it's not impressive, but his QBR is still over 80. He had an 80-yard touchdown pass to Kirk, 60-yard completion to Hopkins, and again, he just continues to be elite as a rusher. He came into this game. There's only three players in NFL history as quarterbacks who had more rushing yards in the first five games of a season. So he's been kind of sneaky elite in the rushing category. Uh, you know, not a ton of passing production in this game, but he really didn't have to with mm-hmm. the Cardinals really blowing them out pretty early. And it's fun seeing him in, in a second, basically full year of this offense and uh, getting it going. And uh, we, we thought that things would be looking up for Kyler, and it really is this year. He is starting to take off. He is, and I think that we were definitely off. I mean, I personally took Mike Thomas as the number one receiver, but it looks like, I mean, Hopkins a little bit of a quiet week here, but mm-hmm. his target share is still elite, and I think he, moving forward, if I could redraft, he'd certainly be my top pick off the board instead of Michael Thomas at this stage, given how much time Thomas has missed. The next game up, oh, the Buccaneers and the Packers. Ooh, it was a rough one for Green Bay. It started off good for them, 10-0, but then 38 unanswered for the Buccaneers to put it away, and it was a surprise clean game by the Buccaneers uh, this one where the previous games not so much yeah you hear about Brady trying to come in and change the culture in Tampa Bay uh it's just the third time in 11 years the Bucks have had a game without a penalty uh still second most pre-snap penalties in the NFL even after this game but my concern on the other side this looked a lot like the 49ers games against Green Bay last year yep. it's I mean I'll give them they did lose Bakhtiari in this game he may be the best or second best offensive tackle in the game but still it seems like when they run into a fist fight they play a really physical team they are having trouble with these kinds of games they lost to San Fran twice last year they sacked them four times uh the Bucks did on Rodgers also picked them off a couple times so he came in 13 touchdowns no picks but I think this game just one loss Paul it can go a long way I mean recency bias I'll trying to take it easy here but still the way they lost this game is concerning for Green Bay 
Yeah, and if they run into a team with a very good pass rush, that seems to always be the tough thing for any quarterback, uh, honestly. But in the, it's showing, though, in history for Rodgers, too. Even though he's a great guy, he can uh, scramble out of the pocket, make plays happen. Whenever there's pressure on the quarterback, there's going to be problems, and there was a lot of it uh, by this Tampa Bay defense uh, this past Sunday. Exactly, and that's kind of the same recipe you won against Tom Brady. I mean, a yep. bad guy to bet against, but uh, I know at least for the Broncos and the Giants with their two Super Bowl wins, the Eagles to some extent, the key was getting to Brady. Uh, here, I, I'm wondering if that kind of gap in the previous game against the Bears where he thought it was third down and was actually fourth down, if that's going to be something that really lights the fire under his ass <laughs> for the rest of this year, if he's just going to be more angry than he was before as extra chip on the shoulder. Again, they're looking like a Super Bowl team. I mean, they've got all the weapons. I still don't feel like they've fully clicked on offense. Yeah. They've been good, but they've been really good in the red zone, and they haven't quite you know, put up huge numbers week after week on offense, but their defense is so good. Uh, Carlton Davis, sneaky, really good cornerback in the secondary, developing in his second or third year, and the pass rush, of course, still really good. So they may be the NFC's favorite besides Seattle right now. I think they're more deep than Seattle all around. And I got to ask you, because we're always looking for tight end options, Gronk looked pretty good on this one. Do you think he has finally shaken everything and got into football shape back again and back connection with Brady? Do you think he is starting on the rise now after this contest? I think so. I wouldn't vaults him obviously to where he was four or five years ago yeah. as like top three tight end but it's encouraging i i thought we'd see a few games like this but just the way he's looking i mean he did even miss on a couple other opportunities where he was open i think he had another end zone target that was missed in this game he was terrible the first couple weeks with gronk this year but yeah i do like him over some other guys i took in that range like tyler higby for instance not trying to throw him under the bus but <laughs> if i could go gronkowski over tyler higby who i drafted in, in one league I, I certainly would so he's trending towards that top five territory and there have been some injuries um with buck skill position players notably chris godwin maybe that'll you know funnel some targets away from him as he, he gets back but i still do think Gronk's like gronk is like top five or six tight end right now moving forward all right so we talk about uh, one of the best teams in the league and now uh well let's talk about down to the bottom the worst our friends the new york jets and again it was just another terrible outing uh, they put up this past week and they're on a historic pace uh through the first six games here, the worst differential in NFL history. They're minus 110 so far, which is worse than the, uh, or it's actually equal to the point differentials of the second and third worst teams, Jacksonville and Washington. So their point differential is terrible. They look terrible. At this point, looking at what Houston did and what Atlanta did, they fired their coaches. It looked like they were immediately reinvigorated. If they want Trevor Lawrence, they got to keep Adam Gates around. They got to keep tanking this thing, keep Greg Williams in the mix. It's getting ugly. They're, those two are not getting along at all, but it, they're historically bad, Paul. That's It's just starting to get to that zone. Not just 0-16, very much in the cards, but all-time Super Bowl era bad. <laughs> it is bad, and fantasy-wise, I mean, it's it's hard to pick a guy off that team. I mean, Jamison Crowder, I guess, is your option. I mean, Frank Gore at running back now. I mean, there's nothing that entices you fantasy-wise, even if a guy is starting – the one thing I guess that does entice you is if the defense, if you're doing the streaming defense thing, you're always picking the defense playing the Jets this year. It is certainly, yeah. <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna take as much stock as you can against them, uh, whether it's skill position players or the opposing defense. I do think Crowder's been kind of sneaky good. He's been a top twenty five receiver despite missing a couple games, but that's really it. If you're in a super deep league, maybe LaMichael Piron may get some more run over the course of the year, but uh, that's about it. That's about it right now, Paul. <laughs> Now let's talk about the uh, the actual good teams in the AFC, and there's quite a few. This is getting impressive with Kansas City, Pittsburgh, Tennessee, some great performances, and then you got the uh, others too that are up there as well. It's it's pretty good in the AFC right now. I think that the team that we kind of were in love with a couple weeks ago that's dropped out the most is Buffalo. Yep, uh, going up against tough teams back to back weeks in Tennessee and KC. I don't know if I really trust them. Uh, I think they're still a team that could get to the AFC Championship game, but Allen's looked pretty rough the last two weeks as a passer. I think this game against the Chiefs was his worst game of the season. So to me, it's a, it's a clear top three in the AFC. To me, I think it's definitely KC, Pittsburgh, and Tennessee. We'll see how that uh, Steelers-Titans game plays out this week. And then I think the next tier is Baltimore and Buffalo. Do you agree, do you agree with that, or do you think one of those teams should 
should be pulled up. Do you think Baltimore or Buffalo can really win the AFC? I really think right now there's only three teams I really trust. Pittsburgh, Tennessee, and KC. I think that's the teams right now. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that, and I'm really liking what I see out of Pittsburgh. They are just uh, the defense is looking great. The offense is clicking right now. They got James Conner healthy and running good again. I really like what Pittsburgh's doing. Yeah, I think it's KC, Pittsburgh, Tennessee, that top half. Baltimore, yeah, I know, uh, you know, the great season last year, Lamar Jackson, but as we said, you know, things, that offense is not clicking as well as it was last year. And, you know, with some injuries and you know, all, Mark Ingram, I think they said that he's going to be back after the bye week. But that rushing game, it's just not working as well as it was last year on offense. No, and when they get behind the sticks, you're really concerned. If it's, you know, second and nine, third and ten with Lamar throwing, uh, it just hasn't worked out. I mean, of course, it's a small sample. He's 0-2 in the playoffs. But even in the regular season, I mean, we saw him go go up against the Chiefs in a big Monday night game a couple weeks ago and more or less lay an egg in that game. So that's that's kind of why I'm skeptical on them. And then the third tier, I think it's guys, teams that could be in the mix and maybe make a jump and be in there in January, making surprising people in the playoffs, maybe. And that range would be Cleveland, Colts, the Raiders, and the Patriots. Now, the Patriots had a yep. horrible loss. I was very surprised that the Broncos kicked them kicked them to death this week. Six <laughs> field goals for McManus, and they beat the Patriots somehow. But are there any of those four teams, the Browns, Colts, Raiders, or Pats, that you could see, Paul, making a leap and being that sneaky team from the wild card spot that makes a run? It's oh. early, but... Them. I'm always going with New England. I'm not betting against Belichick. He, he always seems to figure things out. And I know they were driving late in that game, and they almost came back to win it. And I think what was their pass interference call, or something, if I remember right, a controversial call maybe. I don't know. But uh, from what I, I, I believe New England in that tier, always I'm going to go with Belichick because of the coaching. He always seems to figure it out. And they were coming off of a weird week and a bye and all that stuff. So uh, even though they were at home, they got Cam back in the offense. I think they got that clunker out of there, and I, I think they're going to be all right after, for the rest of the season. I, I would take New England as well, and you can't live by if and but, or if this happened, this would yeah. happen. But, they, I mean, they were right there on the goal line against Seattle. They had a chance to beat Seattle, maybe the best team in the NFL. They've Cam got COVID. Obviously, like you said, that's a weird week. Those two things... If they didn't happen, you can't, you know, take those things away. But it could be a very different-looking team, and they do not lose two games in a row with Belichick. So I'm going Patriots here. I agree out of those four. And then let's talk about the, uh, well, the good teams in the AFC, now the NFC East, which, uh, like we said with the Cowboys, who I like I said, I think they're still going to win this thing, but it is it's bad. And what's the scenario if the Giants win on Thursday night? Yeah, amazingly, if the Giants beat the Eagles on Thursday night, they'll be just a half game back of the <laughs> two and four Cowboys. I mean, they could have easily lost to Washington. Washington ended up going for two at the end uh, with Riverboat Ron rolling the dice. I respect it. I, th- I think they probably should have gone for two. They end up not getting it, losing 20 to 19. But I mean, this could easily be an 0 6. Giants team. They're one and five. Uh, on the other side, the Eagles here, they pretty much have a mash unit on the offensive line. Yeah. Uh, Carson Wentz doesn't always look pretty, but he's keeping his teams in games. They almost came back and tied up Baltimore late. They fell way behind and came back. So who do you think wins this game? I mean, I'm leaning Philly. It's got to be Philly, right, Paul? I got to go with Philly. Yeah, I'm... <sighs> But I'm really, I don't know because I've got, it's telling me go with Philly, but man, Wentz has not played well at all this season. And I don't know what it is with Philadelphia. Every year they have like an injury. I think a couple of years ago it was their cornerbacks. Now last year it was all the wide receivers. And now it's the offensive line. I mean, they just cannot keep anyone healthy in Philly. And that's really hurting them big time. But yeah, I think think I'll give Philly the edge in this one, but I, I do want to say Giants just because Danny Dimes, he's got to be start playing better here. So, And I like him a little bit more than Wentz right now. I could see it. I mean, it is a, a short week here, which always kind of, kind of adds a dimension of randomness, I feel like, or makes things a little bit more wacky in these games. Of course, it's a divisional game, and they're not going to have Ertz for this game. He's going to be out for a couple weeks. I think he's a high ankle sprain, uh, wow. memory serves. But, yeah, the Giants' defense is sneaky better than we thought. They're actually 16th in scoring defense, but I just think the Eagles are the better team. I, I think they will get this done. 
somehow, some way. But if the Giants win this thing, a half game back at uh, two and five. And also, too, no Miles Sanders for the Eagles. He's been ruled out. So Boston Scott will be taking most of the snaps out of that backfield, we think. <laughs> Doug Peterson yeah. always knows how to change it up. Ooh, I wouldn't be surprised if Corey Clement finds some carries or something like that. But uh, that's what we'll have to go in into that one uh, Thursday night. Yeah, it's been a especially brutal week on the waiver wire, I feel like. <laughs> Boston's got maybe the biggest uh, running back pickup this week uh, on a thin, thin week. So takeaways from week six. Yeah, it was the uh, undercard of the Monday night doubleheader. The Chiefs and Bills, just a sloppy old game in Buffalo, rain falling down, and the Chiefs ran the ball, and it was the most attempts ever by an Andy Reid coach team. Wow. Yeah, they ran all over them, 245 <laughs> yards, and they actually had 200 yards rushing, did the Chiefs, going into the fourth quarter. Now we've got Bell coming to the mix here, Paul. Yeah. He ran for 161 yards on 26 carries. Uh, he's been heating up. I mean, he's had some disappointing weeks. He blew up with 130 yards uh, in the season opener, but this may be an opportunity to bail. If you, where are you standing on him? Do you have any Clyde Edwards-Alaire stock this year, Paul? And are you bailing with Bell, or do you think he's going to be kind of just a gadget? I mean, he's Le'Veon Bell, so I'm kind of concerned about it. I mean, as bad as he was in New York, he's on the Chiefs now. I'm a little worried about Ceh. I think he. I think Bell will cut in. I don't know if it's going to be as much as we might think it will be i i could see eight to ten touches a game for bell i for for the first couple weeks here now if something happens with ceh if he gets hurt or you know he's a rookie so if the season starts to wear on him a little bit i could see bell's production going you know getting into that uh, 12 to 15 carry range and it's a true 50 50 split but i think for the early time being here i I still believe ceh is the man especially uh, after this performance in buffalo i think maybe that's why they ran i mean the the elements helped with the game play and all that but i i think too andy maybe wanted to see how could he be a bell cow back if they really needed to run it and well he proved he could be for them for that game against a pretty decent and good buffalo defense yeah i mean if there were a case to sell high on ceh i'd say he averaged 3.7 yards per carry the previous four weeks which is not great of course but i agree with you i still think he's going to be like an rb2 in fantasy Bell's going to cut in a bit, but I don't. If Th were to go down, Bell would suddenly be very interesting. But I yeah. still think he's no more no more than a kind of risky flex play at this point. We'll see how his role plays out. That could change quickly. But Mahomes in this game, he didn't uh, exactly light it up. Wow. Uh, <laughs> didn't have to. I mean, they were just killing them on the ground, and that's got to be a concern, like you said. If you can't stop the run in the playoff, that's a huge concern. And the Bills' rush defense was so much better last year. I mean, they were, I guess. I heard this on the radio broadcast, really trying to contain Mahomes, understandably so. They're playing back. They're trying to prevent the big play. But at a certain point, you just got to say, no, they just they just couldn't stop him. They just really couldn't stop him because I, I have to believe that they adjusted a bit, and I just didn't see them stopping anything. They were t- picking up eight, nine yards, and pretty much every carry was Kansas City. And on the other side, you know, Josh Allen, man, the first three, four games thought, yeah, this guy, he might be be a fantasy MVP uh, by the end of the year. He's putting up some impressive stats. Uh, he's been struggling here the last couple of weeks, and I know, yeah, like we said, the weather in this game didn't really you know, help him out any, but you would think it would help him more out maybe than Mahomes because, you know, Allen's more of a runner and not so much in this one. Not so much in this one. I mean, he got he was the team's leading rusher. He had 42 yards, so <laughs> yeah. some contributions there, but uh, nothing through the air. Just a 52% completion rate, 122 passing yards, through the pick, I mean, against good teams, against Tennessee, against KC, not what you like to see. He's certainly going to light it up this next week against the Jets, I believe. But this is concerning. I mean, still, to me, he's going to be a fantasy star all season or for the, pretty much every game this season. Mm-hmm. But in terms of real-life football, when we get to January, I'm, I'm a little bit worried about this result. That's kind of why I dropped them into that second tier. And the running backs in this one, just 2.8 yards per carry. No rushing scores for the team on the night, so... Just, just a really ugly outing for Buffalo. We'll see if they can get back on track, and I'm sure they can against the Jets. How can't they? Yeah, well, that's the, that's the thing that's going to help them out. Now, you know, the other interesting point is here is, you know, yeah, Devin Singletary and Zach Moss, who was kind of healthy for the first time all season with those two back in the backfield. And, uh, 
you know, we, people are wondering who to go with. It looks like still it's Singletary, but Moss, I could see, continue to take away some carries here. Yeah, and that's someone they really like coming out of Utah. I, I think that they're going to both kind of eat in. I think that Singletary will end up getting about 60% or about that, give or take. I mean, it's kind of a tough thing to predict week to week. But, yeah, I, I do think the return of Zach Moss, they're both young backs. Singletary had some big moments early in the season, as we saw, a couple of big fantasy days. But they're both pretty young, unproven backs. So I do think it's going to be mostly Singletary. But the Moss return is going to impact him more than the Bell signing will on uh, Edward Delaire. I got one more question in this regards Kansas City. And Travis Kelsey, again, great day, a uh, couple touchdowns. And, uh, again, he's the main man for him in the receiving game. How do we judge these receivers on Kansas City's side? Because it's it's basically pick one, and they're going to have the big game, and it's not always going to be Tyreek Hill. So if you're a Tyreek Hill owner right now, are you getting a little frustrated by this? Because Kelsey's always getting the points, it seems like, the from Mahomes. And, uh, yeah, like I said, like we know, it was a weather game. They were running the ball whatnot, but it's got to get started frustrating because – there's so many wide receivers uh, in in Kansas City, and you know you would think Tyreek Hill is the main guy to go with, but uh, it hasn't been that way all season long. Yeah, I mean he's been held under five catches in three straight games now. He was a little bit touchdown dependent early in the season. He had four straight games with a touchdown, but hasn't broken 100 yards receiving yet this season. Hasn't gone over five catches in a game. Look, I think he is supremely talented. He's unquestionably, to me, the most talented wide receiver. Kelsey is obviously a freak in the middle. Yeah. Uh, but I, I do see him rebounding. I mean, if you're looking for a buy low, I think he still could be. Robinson, those guys kind of just wheeled in and out every other week. Uh, Hardman, I know Robinson got more work than Hardman this week. Yeah. Watkins been hurt a little bit here. But... To me, I still think Hill is just so talented. It's been a slow start here, but he's been consistent at that six-target range most every game. That's really what he needs with his explosive playing style, of course. So to me, I'm still pretty steady on Hill. I understand the frustration, especially the last two weeks, but I'm holding firm right now on him. Next game, I think this was the game of the week, and Texans-Titans, a great finish to this one, and uh, it was a big game a big plays, especially when they got into the second half. A lot of fantasy points were scored in this one. Yeah, and I mean, the analytics played in here, which I did not really agree with the move. Where yes. the Texans, they get the late yep. touchdown for Brandon Cook just under two minutes to go. And with the touchdown, they went up seven. Now, instead of kicking the PAT to go up eight, they decide to go for two. They don't get it. And, of course, Tennessee comes right down and scores, gets it to OT, wins the coin flip, and it's good night. I mean, Derrick Henry was doing whatever he wanted in this game. Texans defense is just so bad. I can't believe the defense with J.J. Watt is as bad as it is. Mm -hmm. But they are just getting torn up on the ground week after week. The pass defense, Bradley Roby has been playing pretty well, actually, over the course of the year. But this defense is just too bad. I I love Deshaun Watson. I think they could still be in the mix with seven playoff teams, but the defense is just so bad. 42 points allowed here. And just a gritty Titans team to stay undefeated. Uh, they may be the second best team in the AFC. I, I, in fact, they're right in that range like we discussed. But yeah, yeah, Texans defense, just terrible. And that's the reason they're obviously not making the playoffs at one and five right now. Yeah, and it, like you said, Derrick Henry, that was, you know, the game, the fantasy game of the weekend. Uh, 212 rushing yards, you know, he had 94-yard touchdown, had a big play in overtime on a pass play to get him in, in the range there where they won it, basically. So, I mean, and, and he did score the winning touchdown to win it. So, he was just a beast, took over that game. And, and A.J. Brown, too, did good uh, to help tie that game up and uh, send it into overtime. And Again, it was fantastic, and Ryan Tannenhill, once again, he's starting to uh, get in that MVP conversation, I would have to think. And he should be. I don't think he's going to win it. I just think Russell Wilson, if he keeps doing what he's doing, he's going to win the MVP this season. But Tannehill, deservedly, he should be in that combo. Four touchdowns for both him and, and Watson in this game. Both went over 330 passing yards, but among the two, you would have probably picked, I would have picked Watson to be the MVP candidate coming yes. into the year. Yes. And it, it's clearly been Tannehill, and there's no question about it. And on Henry, just one quick note on him. Multiple touchdowns in three straight games now. It's the first time in his NFL career he's ever done that. And this 212-yard outing here that you mentioned, the most 
since that historic 238-yard uh, game a couple yeah. years back against the Jaguars where he scored like 50 points, whatever it was. So mm-hmm. Henry really coming on after a kind of slow start. He was solid, but yeah. now he's really heating up. Up next, the Broncos and the Patriots. And uh, like you said, this was the uh, battle of the feet as uh, field goal fest was going on in New England. It was. Uh, classic Broncos offense. I mean, I <laughs> just cannot close the deal. He goes uh, six for six, does Brandon McManus. Made two field goals that were over 50 yards. And Drew Locke, he did everything he could to uh, choke this game away. Throws two picks in the final six minutes. Really, uh, what you expect, a young quarterback going against Belichick. Mm-hmm. Ten, for four, 10 for 24 on the day with the two picks, 189 yards. So, Drew Locke, I'm still not sold. But I was glad to see the Broncos slug this one out get it done on defense enough, and Philip Lindsay have a day to miraculously beat the Patriots. I did not think this would happen mm-hmm. uh, with how, how tight the Jets played them. But a big win for the Broncos, and McManus, a huge fantasy day. Now with that backfield situation with Philip Lindsay and Melvin Gordon, what is the latest? Because we knew going into this season it was going to be an interesting combination, but Melvin Gordon looked to unseat Lindsay and take over that lead back role. But then we had the DUI this past week. And uh, he was out last week, so where do we sit right now with that backfield? Yeah, now he is practicing fully, is Melvin Gordon. He did deal with strep throat as well, which uh, Coach Fangio kind of threw into the mix as a reason for why he sat out against the Patriots. So back and full, but he still is pending possible punishment from the league that has not been passed down yet. Mm -hmm. It sounds like he may play, but I did hear ESPN Stefania Bell today mention that kind of take it easy on Gordon. It's definitely not a clear path as of yet. Going to have to sincerely just keep an eye on this as the week goes along because he's healthy from the illness, but in terms of punishment from the league, it has not been determined what's happening on that front just yet. And And on the other side, like we said, Cam... I guess it was hard because what he was coming off of the COVID thing and and everything getting back in the swing of things. And yeah, it wasn't the greatest day for him this week against the Broncos, but I I think he's going to be fine the rest of the way. Yeah, I think it was just a bad omen from the start. Picked off on his first pass attempt of the day. So, you know, you come out, you throw a pick the first day. You're like, it's not my day. I'm packing it in. (laughs) Yeah, he, he rebounded. He had some plays. He did have a good day on the ground with 76 yards and a rushing touchdown, but something about the Broncos, I don't know what it is. Uh, Von Miller wasn't out there in this one. Yeah. Uh, just tough to muster anything. Edelman, they've, they've even been dialing up kind of consistently a couple passes for him every week. He completes uh, two passes for 38 yards, but just two catches for eight for him, so a brutal week <laughs> for Edelman. Yeah. Uh, really the best benefactor of this game, and kind of the game plan was James White, the underneath target. He did have eight catches here for 65 yards. So if anyone was the benefactor, it was kind of James White for this dink and dunk pass game that just kind of struggled to get going, just 157 yards through the air for New England here. Then the uh, Sunday night of the 49ers and Rams, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo in there, and, uh, well, uh, he helped the Niners in this one. Yeah, and they needed this game. Uh, absolutely needed this game after losing last week in very disappointing fashion. I think it was about 26 points to the Dolphins at home. Uh, got benched for Nick Mullins in that game to Jimmy G. So here rebounds with the 268 passing yards, three touchdowns. The Rams certainly had their chances. I mean, Cooper Cup dropped the touchdown past the end zone. That was pretty painful. Uh, but they did have some other chances too. The Rams I'm not super concerned. I still think this is a top 10 Super Bowl contending team. The, the 49ers just needed this game, and they got Emmanuel Mosley back from injury. Jason Barrett, he's been so banged up in his career. He's missed a couple seasons with injury, ACL. He makes a huge pick in this game. So the 49ers getting contributions from unlikely places, getting a star cornerback, or a starter according, starting cornerback back, I should say, not mm-hmm. a star. But a solid cornerback back, must-win game. So that's kind of where I stand. I'm not too worried about the Rams, and it was just a must-win for the 49ers. So they will have to deal with no Mostert going forward, but yeah. at least they have Jimmy G back in the mix now. Yeah, and that's the thing. Mostert, again, uh, hurt in this one late. It looks like he's going to miss uh, maybe a game or two here down the stretch. So it uh, looks like Jarek McKinnon uh, might be uh, the option if you still have him. Picked up from a couple weeks ago. Uh, it looks like you could get some good use out of him here for the next couple weeks. Yeah, I'd say even better than Philadelphia's Boston Scott would be McKinnon here. Touchdown in weeks one through four, one each game. He's valuable when Mostert's out of the lineup. He had a couple games where he was near like 16, 20 PPR points weeks uh, three and four. 
with Mustard out, I believe. So McKinnon in that Shanahan offense, we know they're going to mix it up, but they really don't have much else. I mean, Coleman is out right now as well. Kevin Coleman's on IR. Yeah. Uh, Wilson, Jeff Wilson has just been, I mean, I know they use him in short yardage, but he's pretty inefficient for the most part. He may fall in the end zone once or twice, but Jared McKinnon is the 49ers back to have for the next couple weeks. If Mostert does go on IR, which is in the card, we'll see how that left ankle sprain is handled here. Up next, Browns and Steelers. The Browns, they... I don't know if they didn't show up in this one. The Steelers made quick work of them in this one, and they they got up big early, and they did not give this one up. And uh, Baker Mayfield, just another tough game. Yeah, this was terrible, Paul. I mean, we talked about the new Cleveland Browns, the new Browns franchise. Yep. Was this the biggest game of their history? This was a huge game for them. Sitting at 4-1, the best record they've had since Belichick was coaching the team 25 years ago. Just to lay an egg like this, to lose 38-7 to your hated rival. Yeah. Your number one overall pick, get bent for Case Keenum. Yep. I mean, Coach Stefanski did say that Mayfield was dealing with a ribs issue, but he did look terrible. He had a QBR of literally 5.4 in this game. So uh, just an atrocious day for Mayfield. And you, you know they're not a real team right now. That's, to me, what that shows. I mean, they're a playoff team. They're a wild card team. But they're not going to hang with the big boys in January. I, I don't see it. I don't see me being quoted on this, quoted on this later, Paul. You have this recording and showing me betting against the Browns being wrong. I just don't think they're a heavyweight right now. Do you agree? No, they're, they are so inconsistent. I mean, it, they have got to start, like you said, they got to start playing like a team, and they're not. They're, even if the passing game is down, they they became a running team, and there, there was no offense at all for this Browns team in this one against Pittsburgh. I mean, that defense for the Steelers was just dominant from the get-go in this one. Yeah, suffocating. I mean, they got to Mayfield with four sacks, picked him off twice. Austin Hooper ended up being the leading receiver for Cleveland. He started to get it going here, but Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham, just 65 receiving yards combined. And I hope that we sold sold high on uh, OBJ (laughs) after that huge game against the Cowboys. Yeah, just two catches on four targets, 25 yards. That's what we'll get from him, Paul. It's just going to happen. Yep. I don't know what it is. I mean, Mayfield is certainly not the most prolific, explosive quarterback in the NFL, but we're just going to have these weeks from time to time with Odell Beckham Jr., unfortunately, it seems. And, you know, the Case Keenum thing, that just brings back a Minnesota connection with Stefanoski and uh, the Minnesota, you know, the miracle and all that. I mean, they were on the same team when that happened. So I'm like, okay, well, if – it keeps rolling that way. He might throw Case in there just because he's had more success with Case Keenum in running his offense than he has the Baker Mayfield. Yeah, I think he went 12-2 and that year. Yes. Keenum. Yeah. He was kind of the Ryan Tannehill of that season. Yeah. Uh, and the other thing with the Browns, they were the number one rushing attack coming into this game, just 3.4 yards per carry against Pittsburgh. So even their strength was just completely shut down. Uh, that's definitely not a good sign. James Conner on the other side, he starts to get it going. So yeah. maybe he'll be at you know, low end. I don't want to say RB1, but a really good RB2 in fantasy. And then Chase Claypool, he's yes. really electrifying, man. He is getting it going for Pittsburgh. And he's changing the dynamic of that offense with Johnson out right now. And he was a guy not on a lot of guys' uh, draft boards. Uh, quite honestly, we I, I think a lot of us forgot about him because he was that second-round pick. What did they say? He was the 11th receiver off the board, I believe, at, when he was picked. So, I mean, he was one of those that was lost in the shuffle. And, you know, it was kind of a crime. Crowded uh, wide receiver core with Juju and then Deontay Johnson and then also um, you had James Washington too. So you didn't know where Chase was going to fall in the mix there. Well, obviously he is he's getting up there, and I wouldn't be surprised if he's the number one option by the end of the year. Yeah, he definitely one of the fantasy sleepers of the year. Slow start to the season, but really coming on now. 70-plus receiving yards and a touchdown three of his past four games. Of course, he had that four-touchdown game against Philadelphia alone, three receiving, one rushing touchdown. I mean, Deontay Johnson is dealing with the back. He's been out here and there with the injury. So if he gets back, that could take some work share away from Claypool, potentially, but I don't really see it. I think they know a elite receiver when they see one. I mean, elite receiver, that's a little bit a little bit early here, but you can tell, watching the tape, watching him, the way he pulls away from guys with the ball in his hands in the open field, he is going to be a special one, I'm quite sure, Chase Claypool. Now, I love how you worded this next one. The poop bowl between <laughs> the Falcons and the Vikings, and yeah, it's, uh, it's 
two teams that are battling for top draft picks and uh, actually I think one team's going to be better than the other at the end of the year and I think it's going to be the Falcons. I think they're going to respond better to the Raheem Morris change than the Vikings might be and uh, Julio went off in this one. Julio went berserk on the Vikings here. Mike Hughes, he's dealt with a neck injury some points of the season. He went out during this game. That certainly hurt Minnesota. Eight catches for 137. Had Jones in this game, two touchdowns. Uh, he outmuscled one guy down that left sideline, that long touchdown where Ryan, Ryan kind of floated it up over the top to him. Oh, you know, huge game for Jones. I, you know, if you had him, you obviously had to start him, but I don't know, as amazing as he is, uh, seven-time Pro Bowl or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you it was a slam-dunk start even against the Vikings, how banged up he's been, but Julio Jones just went crazy. And, of course, that meant Matty Ice got back on track. Yes. He came in this game with no touchdowns and back-to-back games for the first time since the rookie season. So the four touchdowns in this one, you definitely like it. And I do think that the coaching change could be a real thing. I mean, we saw it with the Texans. Obviously, just two teams this year, but a psychological shift. I think especially with Dan Quinn, the way things have gotten stale there, all the losing. I think this Raheem Morris move is, is really going to help them, and they'll still win like five games this year with the Falcons. Now, for the Vikings, what do you do with Mike Zimmer now, Paul? That's the question. Are you going to just ride it out with him? I still think he's a damn good coach. I I, I think he's a great coach. I, I've been saying this. And I think the roster that he was given dealt with, especially with that secondary, it did him no favors. And especially what the quarterback situation is, so much money getting taken up in that spot. I would hate to see him gone because I, I, I like his style. I like how he coaches. But I, I think it might be coming to an end just because of what he had to deal with. The roster he was given was not at all ideal. Especially, that, like I keep harping on, that cornerback situation, I, it, I think it's the worst in the league where they were picking first-round cornerbacks for four or five straight drafts, and basically Mike Hughes is the only first-round pick still on that roster. And uh, running back, too, with Dalvin Cook out, and uh, it might be some time that he comes back. I know they're on the bye this week, but uh, it, it, there's word out that it might be a little longer than uh, a game or two. So uh, he's, Alexander Madison, he really struggled struggled in this one. Yeah, I mean, he's one of those guys like Pollard and Dallas, Latavius Murray in New Orleans, one of those elite stashes that you can have a running back behind, like, you know, an elite number one running back. You want to get that backup because you think uh, he's not going to be Ezekiel Elliott, he's not going to be Dalvin Cook, but he's still going to be a top 10, top 20 running back because they are so dependent on the, on the running game. Just 2.6 yards per carry here was Madison against the Falcons, who they got an okay run defense, but yeah, not amazing, certainly. So, and that's the key to their game. And if you're asking Cousins to throw up the ball a bunch, uh, that's not what you want. No, not at all. I mean, one Justin Jefferson's been the bright spot. Uh, let's face it. I mean, he's really come on after they decided to play him. I mean, that's the first couple of games they they didn't even have him starting. They had him maybe playing in the slot a couple spots, you know, a couple snaps. But they finally figured out, oh, we got to get this guy on the field, and while well, he's been paying off. Yeah, he has been really lighting up here. He had the down week against Seattle where he just had three catches for 23 yards, but nine catches for 166 and two touchdowns against the Falcons. That I mean, you combine that with weeks three and four where he had 278 yards, he's just been absolutely insane. Him and Claypool this year, uh, number one and number two rookie receivers. I would say. Um, yeah. In this game, just the second time this season has happened, but he out-targeted Thielen 11-5. For Thielen, it's really just been the touchdowns. I mean, he's had some decent yardage games, but already seven touchdowns for Adam Thielen this year. Look, 8.2 yards per carry, uh, 8.2 targets per game. Hasn't always translated in the yardage department, but he is scoring a lot, and he's getting the targets near the red zone that are ever valuable in fantasy, Paul. Yes. All right, week seven, the borderline picks. You might be struggling uh, maybe who you should play if you're doing the DFS stuff and you're wondering who's a good deal to start this week. We're going to start off at quarterback, and uh, you're really liking Joe Burrow this week? Against the Browns here, you think about this last game. I mean, they blow up the 21-0 lead to the Colts. Burrow, not a super pretty outing, but the Colts came in this game number three in defensive efficiency behind only Tampa Bay and the Bears. He still threw for 300 yards in this game. He's done that four times in six outings this year. He's been high floor in fantasy, too. He's had over 15 fantasy points in every game but one. 
that one game when he went up against the Ravens. It's pretty tough for any young quarterback. Uh, and also his best game of the season so far for Joe Burrow. Came against the Browns in week two. He had over 24 fantasy points. The Browns are still without Grant Delphi. He's out for the year with that torn Achilles. Greedy Williams with the shoulder is still on IR. So overall, the Browns defense has been bad statistically against the pass. They've given up the fourth most passing touchdowns and are also 27th in pass defense on the season. Burrow, when you watch him, he just seems to have that it factor. They're losing a lot. They're 1-4-1, and one, yeah. but they're playing teams tight, and I think he's going to be a good value here against the Browns, who really a pretty rough defense, despite having Miles Garrett. Okay, before we get to our running backs, we did predict something was going to happen, speaking of rookie quarterbacks, so I'll, we'll touch on it right now. We thought Tua was going to take over in Miami. I was surprised they made the switch, especially when with Fitzpatrick playing as well as he did, but it was announced uh, yesterday that Tua Tagalova is going to be the starting quarterback for the Dolphins the rest of the season after getting into their victory this past week, and they're on a bye this week, but I was kind of shocked they made the switch, even though we kind of saw it was coming, but after the performance by Fitzpatrick the last couple weeks, I I was kind of floored by that. I was too. I mean, individually, Fitzpatrick was playing really well. Uh, Cameron Wolf of ESPN, the Dolphins' beat writer, he reported that Fitzpatrick understandably heartbroken by this move. Yeah. It is a bit perplexing. I mean, they are 3-3. Three and three. They seem like a team that's going to be competing for a wild card. They love Brian Flores, I think. Just a spunky team, and Patrick really fits that mold well. He's kind of a fun quarterback to have for the Dolphins. Hey, he's been playing well, so that's it's just a weird time, I guess. Just going into the bye, yeah. that's what makes the most sense about it to me. They have the extra week to get to already and get him installed, but yeah, it's weird that this time, Paul, but we knew it was going to happen. We yeah. knew this was going to happen, and we knew it was going to happen this season at some point. Yeah, I think we were thinking towards the end of the month or maybe in November, but after, yeah, like we said, the 3-3 the three and three record and the guy Fitzpatrick's lot of success i i still was kind of a little shocked when it happened i definitely was i definitely was but you think about it i mean okay in best case scenario they go nine seven with Fitzpatrick. they make the playoffs they probably get knocked out pretty quickly i mean certainly the dolphins would argue hey we're gonna win the damn super bowl we got, <laughs> we're gonna figure this out we have magic, but i don't see that yeah even though they're three and three they're still not a super bowl team Fitzpatrick does have three touchdowns each of the last two games but still why not why yeah. not? I do feel for Fitzmagic, but it's, you know, it's going to happen eventually here in 2020. All right, so Week 7 running back plays this week. We talked about him a little bit early on. Uh, Jarek McKinnon for the 49ers liking this matchup. Yeah, I mean, he's going up against New England, which you do not love, but with Mostert out, extremely valuable real estate to have a back in that San Francisco backfield. McKinnon had just seven carries the past two weeks, so basically no fantasy value uh, or very minimal. But week three and four with Mostert out had 28 combined carries, put up over 19 fantasy points per game those two weeks. Also had over 13 fantasy points week one and two on a limited uh, workload there. You think about this also. The robot community loves McKinnon. (laughs) IBM Watson. The robot guru says that uh, McKinnon here, he's boomed three times already this year. So basically, by boom, uh, boomer bust basically just means he was in the top 15% of his projected possible outcome of fantasy points. So he's basically just exceeded expectations this year, has McKinnon. And just two touchdowns allowed by New England on uh, two opposing running backs this year. One rushing, one receiving. But there's still going to be enough work for McKinnon where he's going to be a flex play this, this week. And overall, they give up yardage. 16th in rush defense are the Patriots, so he may not score, but still a good a good flex play. Uh, McKinnon here against the pass. And uh, for wide receivers this week, oh, well, you got one uh, for Thursday night. Who you like? We got a Fulgham from the Eagles here, the 2019 sixth rounder from Old Dominion. Someone's got to catch passes. I mean, they got Greg <laughs> Ward, uh, the former quarterback, has had some reps. He's had some run actually, different points. But Fulgham's been really heating up the last three weeks here. Yeah. He caught 6 of 10 targets against the Ravens this week, 75 yards and a touchdown. The week before, at 152 yards against uh, the Steelers of all defenses. He's also got a touchdown in three straight games. Uh, All those injuries to the receiving core, Jeffrey, Deshaun Jackson, Jalen Rieger, they're all out. And also, well, Jeffrey, I'm not sure if he's borderline for this week, but also Ertz is out for this week. 
as is Dallas Goddard at tight end. I know the Giants have been a little bit better than we thought on defense. They're 16th in scoring right now. James Bradbury's kind of been a diamond in the rough for them. Coming over from Carolina, a Gettleman guy. But still, the third most receptions allowed to opposing wideouts the Giants have given up this year. So I think the Fulgham Thursday night against the Giants, I think he is going to be a worthwhile play and a really good DFS play for Week 7. And we're going with a jet-wide receiver as well. Jamison Crowder, you liking this against Buffalo this week? You only live once, Paul, and I got <laughs> just got to do it. Go the end of the world. We got to get the Jets in the fantasy lineup somehow, and Crowder's the way we're going to do it. He missed weeks two and three with injury, but every time he's played this year, he's had at least seven catches. So he may be more of a PPR type asset, but he's also gone over 100 receiving yards three of the past four games he's played. 11 and a half targets per game this year with Mims, Chris Hogan, Josh Dotson all out. And, you know, they're going up against Buffalo, which on paper is a scary matchup, but they're just 21st in scoring defense this year. Last year, they were second. And I just think that this is the week for him, especially because week one, he had his best outing of the year going up against the Bills, 115 yards and a touchdown for Crowder. So this is the week I think we can work him in. They may get Darnold back this week, but it really doesn't matter. He's also produced with Flacco. So I'm I'm thinking Crowder is a sneaky DFS play here. At tight end, uh, Austin Hooper at Cincinnati liking that one. He's starting to heat up. I mean, he really was rough the first two weeks. They made him the highest paid tight end in NFL history. After he went back-to-back Pro Bowls, he's a good player, but yeah. that, that was a little bit wild to me. So, you know, just didn't go over three catches or 25 yards the first three weeks. Didn't go over five and a half fantasy points the first three weeks. But now he's heating up here. Five catches in the last three games or more. Eight targets per game since week four. And he's also gone over 10 PPR points each of the last three weeks. Has Hooper. Meanwhile, the opposing Bengals, they've been really bad against tight ends. They've given up the second most targets, third most receptions to the position. And also, we think about it, the last time these teams played it was a 35 to 30 final this could be a bit of a shootout with two pretty bad defenses so i think that against a pretty shady linebacking core for the Bengals, hooper is a good play the former pro bowler against the against the Bengals here in week seven i like hooper and if you're streaming defenses this week and you know the bills most likely are taken in your league because they're taking on the jets and and they're pretty good defense you're liking Philadelphia tomorrow night. Now we'll roll them out. I know the offensive line is a mash unit, and the defensive line does have Malik Jackson out for this game. Most likely, he is doubtful with a quad. But, you know, they got Javon Hargrave stepping in. He was a beast last year for Pittsburgh. They still got Fletcher Cox, Barnett, Graham up front. We know the guys. They got Darius Slay on the back end. Look, their secondary ain't great, but Darius Slay is a baller. They've also got three-plus sacks in four of their six games this year. To the Eagles, we know the sacks. A point per clip in fantasy in most leagues. And then the takeaways here, I mean, they haven't taken it away very well, has Philadelphia, but the Giants have given it away plenty. Daniel Jones, the second most fumbles lost this year, is a three fumbles lost. He's thrown an interception in every game but one so far this year, and he's not going to burn us. Danny Dimes, just three touchdown passes on the year. I I don't have a total lack of faith. I have drafted him in a league, and I think he can get it going, but I don't think it's this week. I like the Eagles in fantasy against the Giants Thursday night. All right, we're to the picks segment here. We're going to try to do better again this week if we can we got some tough matchups uh, going on we're gonna start off with pittsburgh at tennessee pittsburgh at tennessee the afc last unbeaten teams here we talked about henry up front he's been going crazy this is a battle of the titans here literally and figuratively going up henry and the pittsburgh front seven they've allowed just 3.3 yards per carry number two overall rush defense so that's strength versus strength here paul also Tannehill, the wild card here periphery uh you know he's on the periphery there of mvp candidacy four touchdowns again against the texans but we know he's he may not do that against pittsburgh they have been number one in sacks and pressures allowing a sub 60 percent completion rate so it's really two really damn good afc teams i'm i'm really looking forward to this team this game here but I think I'm going to lean Pittsburgh minus two here, Paul. I just think they are the real team. I know the Tennessee is an AFC championship loser from last year, but I think I'm going to go Pittsburgh minus two to cover here. What do you think on this matchup? I'm going to go with you with that Pittsburgh, and that's a hard one to take, especially at Tennessee. And uh, they, you know, they do play great at home, but I do think uh, Pittsburgh they have a little bit more on the defense, and certainly that offense is moving things along. And yeah, I, just based on the defenses, I like Pittsburgh's defense just a little more. Now Tennessee has a good defense too, but I just I like the Steelers how they've started out this season, and yeah, I'll roll with them too this week. 
Yeah, and kind of the X factor to this game is Taylor Lewan, the left tackle for Tennessee. He's going to be out with a torn ACL. So oh, yeah. that offensive line for Tennessee that's allowed the fewest sacks in the NFL, I don't think it's going to be quite that story this, this week against the Steelers. Up next, Cincy getting three and a half against Cleveland. Yeah, I think I'm leaning <laughs> Bengals, the tough one for me, but I'm going to take the Bengals with three and a half. The Browns, off of that 4-1 start, came crashing back to earth, of course, against Pittsburgh. But, you know, they're a decent team. They're a wild-card team. But Burrow is going to be a special player in this league, I believe, despite the rough start in the uh, in the standings. But, you know, that offensive line has been so bad that I've been impressed with all that he's done. They've lost only one game by more than a possession this year. So that's kind of what has my intuition on the Bengals. They're playing at home here. I think I'm going Bengals with the point against the Browns here in Week 7. I have to go against you, and I don't want to. I, I don't trust this Browns team at all, but something tells me, okay, they still are a 4-2 and two team, even though they got whipped badly against Pittsburgh. I think they get things together enough. I think they win big enough against Cincinnati in this one. I think they, they just do... A couple more things better than Cincinnati, and I'm liking Cleveland in this one. Yeah, and you don't like the fact that you know the Bengals blew that big lead against the Colts last week. How will that play in mentally? Will they bounce back, or are they going to be kind of disappointed off that off that game? I mean, if they'd won that, gotten two, three, and one, they're kind of back in the mix. How they respond to that will will say a lot about the Bengals here in Week Seven. And we'll wrap it up. New England and San Francisco. This is a tough one too to go with this week. This is a real tough one, but the main factor for me, Belichick coming off of a loss, he just does not lose. Uh, Jimmy G does not lose two in, a, two in a row, and he proved that again. I mean, Jimmy G is, Garoppolo has literally never lost two straight starts in his career. A bit of a limited uh, sample, but still impressive the way he bounced back. Belichick, he does the same. I, I We were talking about the rush for Cam Newton against the Broncos earlier. I think that they are going to bounce back here. At home, they're giving two and a half, so we'd have uh. to eat that if going with New England. I think Belichick, you know, Shanahan's a genius, but he knows enough about Jimmy Garoppolo, and he's just going to be needing this win off the loss. So I'm going to take New England and swallow the two and a half here. Where do you lie on this one, Paul? I don't Patriots like two and a half. I don't like that two and a half. I uh, that's bothering me a little bit. I don't know. It's I think New England wins, but I think San Francisco. I think it's like a one point victory. I could see that, and I'll be obviously here for San Francisco. Last week against uh, the Rams was a huge game, but they're still sitting at three two and one in a really tough division where the Cardinals are looking as legit as ever. Every team in that division is in the hunt, so this is a huge game for the 49ers, But I, I'll I'll lean Patriots here. Well, again, Corey, again, thanks for your time helping us break it all down, getting ready for Week Seven here, this uh, crazy fantasy season we've had so far. And best of luck this week. Best of luck to you, Paul. Back at you. Subscribe to the Fantasy Football Zone and give us a five-star rating while you're at it. Follow us on Twitter at DraftThatGuy. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Football Zone podcast.